0: Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. In this episode, you'll hear about the up and coming area of health economics and outcomes research in the pharmaceutical industry. So today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast, a principal liaison and health outcomes and economics research with Janssen Pharmaceutical Companies and a priest, and received her PharmD from the University of South Carolina Columbia and completed a residency at Johns Hopkins Hospital. She's had a rich background in pain management, even serving as the senior scientist with Aegis Corporation before joining Janssen. And welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thanks, Hillary. It's so good to be here. Well, thank you for joining us. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps in there and tell us a bit about your personal life. Sure. So I
1: am very fortunate to have moved to Nashville for a position actually at the hospital, uh, one of the hospitals downtown a number of years ago. And I met my husband here, Britt. So we were married, gosh, I think about eight years ago now. yeah, that's about right. <laughs> I have to think back. And we have a, a little boy who will be five next month. And I'm very blessed. They're a very, uh, just wonderful, great family. And my second child, which is a uh, really cute little chihuahua who thinks that she should be the only child, I think. <laughs> but my, uh, my career has been a little bit of a hodgepodge. I've done quite a few different roles before I have landed at Janssen, and I've been very fortunate and that I've really loved just about all of them. But when I left residency at Hopkins, I moved to Columbus, Ohio to uh, work and manage in one of their their outpatient specialty clinics with Walgreens Health Initiatives. At the time, it was a relatively new paradigm, and they only had, I think, somewhere between eight or 10 in the country, and I'm sure it's many more now. But I I managed that clinic for two years and then moved, uh, as I said earlier, to Nashville to take on the pain management specialist position that they had at Baptist Downtown and really just had a great pharmacy department there. The clinical specialists were, of course, brilliant, and I was very fortunate to be among them. And when I left there, I left to join the Aegis team because it was a a growing enterprise. They had, I think, 30 employees at the time, and they were just starting to branch out from the world of forensic and sports doping testing to healthcare. And so I was one of the first healthcare specialists to join that team. And during my tenure there, they grew from about 30 employees to almost 1,000. So it was quite a bit of growth over a 10-year span. And last year, I began looking at positions that really were expanding upon a health, economic, and outcomes perspective because I could kind of see the writing on the wall, and that I, I really think that that is where there is a, a huge opportunity in our profession uh, that's opening up, and I really wanted to be a part of that. So I opened, uh, you know, up my search and found this position at Janssen and applied. You know, I didn't have to leave. Aegis you know I was happy there I liked my position but I felt like it was a good time to move on to do something different and expand and I was starting to feel rather comfortable and that's always I think a good sign that it might be time to grow a little bit as well so I applied for this position at Janssen and as luck would have it I uh, got it so I've been here with Janssen for a year and it's uh, just a great team so happy to be here and I feel very very blessed all the way around.
0: That is so amazing, Anne. And you've had some very significant uh, opportunities. And I love that you always find a way to stay challenged and are always looking for uh, other opportunities to grow. And, you know, taking that position with Aegis was probably a little. off the beaten path because, you know, really small company and uh, probably took a little bit of a leap of faith, but uh, it's so amazing that you were there to kind of see that company grow so dramatically. And uh, so you've been with Janssen for just over a year. And could you tell us a little bit more about what you do in your role as a principal liaison and a little bit more, I guess, about your journey there?
1: Yes, absolutely. So the uh, the HECOR role, which is what they call the, the health economics and outcomes research role, is definitely a little different than what I would have anticipated for a, an MSL or me- medical science liaison role. And to be fair, you know, I had never worked in pharma. There are definitely some similarities to what we did at Aegis, but it is, of course, very different, having not been in the pharmaceutical uh, space quite so much. So the MSL role, as I understand it, is typically more focused on a given therapeutic area. And the HECOR role isn't, at least at Janssen, is not focused on a a specific therapeutic area. We actually cover the entire portfolio. So currently for Janssen, that is six therapeutic areas. We cover cardiovascular uh, disease, metabolics, immunology, HIV, CNS, or really what schizophrenia, and um, immunology, oncology. So it's it's a pretty broad scope. And instead of calling on physicians or uh, healthcare practitioners, we really call more on population health decision makers. And what that means is we typically call on payers, or sometimes very large uh, integrated delivery networks or IDNs, uh, very large you know healthcare. Delivery organizations like Duke or Johns Hopkins or even Vanderbilt; those are some of our more typical customers. So, really, what we do is serve as the purveyors of scientific information to aid in formulary decision making, and we also serve as a liaison for our internal researchers and the the external customers, healthcare professionals, as we are partnering to help further outcomes research. And there's certainly I think a growing interest and appreciation for real world evidence and how these drugs perform out in the real world versus the very confined, very tightly engineered setting of a clinical trial. So we're we're quite involved in that aspect as well.
0: That's amazing. So, Anne, uh, what types of skills do you think that you have uh, that really lend themselves well to being successful in your current role?
1: Well, I will say that I'm constantly working on (laughs) furthering my skills. I would not by any stretch say that I'm always an expert in every one of these areas, but I will definitely say that having good emotional intelligence is at least as important as what you know. And that's, you know, for me, I've always been kind of one of the, the students who likes to study and do well on the test, but really interacting with people is just so much more important so so frequently. So being able to coordinate among different individuals who have different and sometimes competing agendas. Now, that's, mm-hmm. that's sometimes very difficult. And especially when you are trying to do that in the midst of delivering and understanding sometimes scientific information, it's a challenging landscape. So working well with others, you know, I always used to joke that nine-tenths of success is playing well in the sandbox with others, and I still believe that to be the case. But having good scientific skills as well, you know, being able to read and interpret and understand research, of course, that's a pretty basic foundation for what we do. And really, in the heat core role, having some business acumen is also incredibly important because we don't go in most often in a vacuum to call on our customers. We're almost always there with our business partners. And we're aiding in some of the contracting discussions and negotiations that go on because that's really the whole, the whole point of our meetings most of the time. You know, Our business partners are handling that side while we are providing the scientific support and answering questions as they arise. So being able to understand how our products are positioned and understanding some of the business implications therein is pretty critical to success.
0: Wow, and of course, a lot of your experience working in a hospital, leading a clinic, and and being kind of the key scientist at Aegis, I'm sure you're also able to draw on all those past experiences as well to really help uh, you relate to the C-suite and other individuals that you're having to talk with on a daily basis in your. Role as a HECOR specialist, uh, really fascinating, and it's a good kind of look into what life is like in the pharmaceutical industry. Because this this really sounds like a, a kind of a new up and coming role. We've heard about MSLs for a while now, but uh, I love that you were able to share that you're kind of seeing more pharmacy opportunities in this health outcomes and and economics work. So very fascinating. Yeah. And you've had some, you know, really unique experiences as a pharmacist, and you've even been an affiliate professor with some of the schools of pharmacy. Can you tell us about how you got involved in that space and what type of involvement you have as an affiliate faculty member?
1: Yes, well, it's, you know, that was one of my most rewarding experiences actually, being on, you know, assistant faculty and uh, taking students for rotations. I always used to joke that that was one of the best ways we had to stay abreast of current developments because I promise we learned just as much from our students as they learned from us. It's a very good partnership. And I was very fortunate as well in that we were able to partner with multiple universities. You know, Nashville is quite rich in that. We've had, uh, you know, several pharmacy schools here between Lipscomb and Belmont and the University of Tennessee. But we actually also developed relationships with my alma mater out at South Carolina, and even with the University of Florida. And all of those relationships are are just very, very good to have. You know, you can network with people who really know what they're doing down there. If, if I had questions, I frequently called. Paul Doring down at University of Florida. You know, it's and I didn't go to school there. I actually just knew him through our preceptorship program, and that's that's a huge blessing and opportunity. Um, I will say that that's another side where knowing the business and knowing how to to coordinate uh, the delivery of your information depending on who you're talking to. Because when I was going to pitch these ideas at at Aegis, now it was definitely a foreign concept in the beginning. Or why are we taking students and taking so much time to engineer these, you know, pre- preceptorship um, experiences and rotational experiences for these pharmacists? We had to present almost a business case. So we explained how they were able to participate in the work that our team was doing, and we also had to to show, you know, what what was he just getting out of this relationship? And thankfully, I didn't have to convince them too hard because we were, in fact, led by scientists who themselves understood the value and, in fact, were very invested in giving back to the community and helping educate the next generation. So I'm thankful that they were so supportive. But, you know, the other nice thing that came out of that, too, was even just having access to literature uh, and, you know, the drug information resources that some of these universities had to offer. So it was funny. I was prepared to go in with you know, a whole litany of reasons why we needed to do this. And I really only had to give one. And they said, absolutely, great idea. Let's go with it. So it was it was a good uh, opportunity to have the students there. And I, I, that's the one thing that I do regret in working in the pharma industry where I am currently in the field. Now, I don't really get to precept students in quite the same way that I used to because, you know, I'm always on the road or, uh, you know, the few days that I'm at home, it would be a little hard to coordinate uh, with students. But that said, Janssen has quite a large number of student internships from what I understand. And I've, I've actually spoken with quite a few of the students as they've begun career planning. And it's pretty nice to work with them. Actually, we have one working with us in our, our therapeutic area, um, MCV, that I'm working with them on a number of projects. So it's it's good to see that continue, even if it's in a slightly different form than it used to be. But students you know, working with, the universities is just an incredibly important opportunity, both just because it's fun and also for professional development, even for myself.
0: And I totally agree with that. As I've joined on with Dispensary of Hope, uh, we are experiencing the exact same thing. Being the only pharmacist there, uh, I had to kind of pitch uh, the idea of becoming partners with all of the schools here and we've really developed some great relationships and actually the pharmacy students completing their master's in management program at Lipscomb University just completed three projects for our uh, dispensary of hope and they are all really significant and are you know not only beneficial to the students because they're getting that real life experience of a project uh, so we always like to try to create those win-win opportunities and that's great to hear how resourceful you've been and and how you've used your your strong relationship building skills along the way. So really amazing work. And you've had such a successful impact on the pharmacy profession so far do you have any lessons learned that you could share with our listeners?
1: Yeah you know I think that there are a number of lessons I have picked up along the way. And I've definitely had successes and failures. And it's important, I think, to not shy away from, from the failures because we do learn from them. And I will say that very early on when I went to go work at Aegis, I was, to be honest, a little out of my depth. <laughs> Most of my training in drug testing when I was in, in pain management, even having completed a, a whole ASHP traineeship in that topic area, you know, we just didn't have training on drug testing. And the sum total of what I'd had amounted to a one-page handout that I had gotten from a preceptor, and that was it. So I really hate to say I didn't know what I was doing, but I really didn't know what I was doing. So I, I recall distinctly going to my first professional organization within maybe about a year or two after starting at Aegis, and I attended a special learning session that at our then scientific director had asked me to attend and i didn't understand anything that they were saying it was like they were speaking greek and they were all speaking in acronyms and they were all things i wasn't familiar with and i went back to my hotel room and i sat down and cried because i thought there's no way i'm ever going to be able to pick this up and i went to the scientific director and i asked him you know what should i do what do you suggest where can i start learning some of the the technical background here, because I'm, you know, I'm more clinical. I don't understand everything that's going on in the laboratory. So he recommended a book called The Principles of Forensic Toxicology, which was a textbook that they taught toxicologists and, you know, when they were going in to get their PhD. And I said, okay, I'll start reading that. So I kind of just girded up and read the book. And, you know, it, in a couple of years, I actually Was fortunate enough to be invited to write a chapter for that book and never in a million years thought that would happen. So I had those moments of panic early on. And I think if I could go back and just remind myself that it's okay to not know everything and it's also okay to ask for help. And that's an area where I've always struggled. But at the end of the day, you know, none of us is perfect and none of us is going to be able to always have the right answer. And we have to be able to turn to others and depend on them. And, you know, I'm, I really am fortunate in that area and that I ended up working with just such a fantastic team there as I am working now, actually the team at Janssen is great and I'm constantly relying on them too. And it's not a bad thing. So I think working with others and, and helping to recognize your own limitations and that that's okay. That's a, a huge learning lesson that's taken me. I want to say not as long to learn as it may be, Um, I'd like to say I learned it many years ago, but really the reality is it's probably taken me 15 years for that to sink in.
0: Well, I am very impressed that you were an author on a book that at first you you had to learn. So, you know, your perseverance and learning and that kind of pursuit of learning and asking for help—those are some great tips that people who are getting started in their career can learn. So, Anne, how do you stay current with what's going on in healthcare and more specifically within the pharmacy field?
1: Well, I can certainly be challenging. And I will say that's another area where I ask for help. It's funny that it's just impossible to keep up with everything, particularly when you are functioning in the HECOR space as we are, to keep abreast of everything that happens in every therapeutic area. It's just so broad. And we have to understand, of course, not just our own products, but all of the other products that are playing in that space. So one of the ways that HECOR has formally tackled that that barrier is that we have assigned therapeutic leads so I'm one of the leads for the cardiovascular space and then we have key core liaisons who are leading in other areas so this is another space where I may end up going to ask somebody for help and people ask me for help all the time too and that that always feels good to be able to provide that that assistance when somebody needs it so I if I have a question, for example, about oncology, as I did this week, I called up my, my colleague, Stephen, down in Texas, and I said, Stephen, I need some help. I don't understand what I'm doing with this uh, particular question. And so he's, he's really been a good resource. Of course, I, I always read quite a bit. And there are areas where we can get help there, too. So there are, of course, the resources that I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with, like the pharmacist letter. Of course, is great. I get those every month, and Absolutely. yeah, I mean, gosh, what? Where would we be without some of these? Right, um, pink sheet is great for for pharma industry, and I still have friends from Aegis actually who email me when they read a good story <laughs> in the news that relates to either any of our products or or the company as a whole. So it's it's a good area where I think you know doing your own reading is of course critical, but networking helps in that that arena. Uh, Quite a bit.
0: Right. Thank you for sharing some of those tips. Uh, You're definitely resourceful, and I appreciate that. So, what are some of the things that excite you about the future of pharmacy?
1: You know, it's just, it seems a little bit silly to say this, but the sky is really the limit. I mean, that's, it's kind of corny. But when I was in pharmacy school, I remember thinking that the only options for career were pretty binary. You know, at the time it was retail or clinical. And I had no concept that some of these positions were out there. And I certainly did not ever think I would end up working for a laboratory, nor did I think I would work for a laboratory for 10 years. And yet that has been such a rewarding position. And I didn't think I would end up in pharma and yet here I am. And I love it. And I think that there are just so many opportunities that are open that it's, I think, a little foolish to lock yourself into a career path early on. I mean, it's it's really not wrong, I think, to explore various avenues. And don't pin yourself down on one thing too much. Be ready to respond if an opportunity arises. And, and don't, um, I think, not, not being shy about asking for opportunities. If there's a place that you want to work and there's not a position open, it's not such a bad thing to call and ask, you know, what are you guys thinking about in terms of new positions opening? They may remember your name and call you if one does. But you know, I really have just been very fortunate to end up where I am. I do think that health economics and outcomes research is an area that is exploding in the healthcare industry from every avenue, both from pharma, from you know, regulatory agencies like the FDA are looking at this much, much more you know, managed care organizations, of course, that's going to potentially continue to grow. You know, as all these therapeutic spaces expand and become so much more complex, there are so many more drugs out now, even just for diabetes than what we used to have when I was first in pharmacy school so many years ago. Being able to understand what's the best standard of care for a population and making those decisions is going to become increasingly difficult and require that support. So that's one of the the reasons why I wanted to get into this space in particular. And the nice thing about it is there's so many different ways you can go with it. You know, you can be a liaison that's providing that scientific information. You can go on the research side and just do the research and the writing. There's just so much opportunity there. So that's really where I think a lot of my excitement lies for the future of pharmacy. I I just really feel poised to take advantage of that part
0: of it. Absolutely. And I think you're very well suited. And Janssen has obviously got a really great team there and and are doing good things. There's so much in the future of pharmacy. So I think that young students out there have just got to kind of follow their passion and find what they're interested in. So as our final question, do you have any uh, last bit of advice that you might tell your younger self or for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their career?
1: You know, I think my, my advice would be twofold. One that you just hit on the head, I believe, Hillary, when you said that, you know, these pharmacy students will be following their passions. That's the biggest advice that I can give is find a position you are passionate about. I have been so fortunate to have jobs that I was excited to go into every day. And I don't know that a lot of people ever find that. And I'm hopeful that people who end up in the profession of pharmacy are there because they want to be and, and they they can find that. And the nice thing is there's so many opportunities out there that it, it shouldn't be too hard to land on one that most hits on your strengths and what you find meaningful. But when you can get to a place where you are excited to go into work and a little bit sad when the day is over, that to me is just defining success. I mean you really can't ask for more than that out of your your, your job. And then the other piece of advice that I can give would be really to network more because of course, who you know is at least as important as what you know. But for me, I've always learned so much from others. And I've I've typically relied more on book learning, because as a classic introvert, you know, going in networking, for me is sometimes a little harder than than it uh, maybe should be. But I I really love talking to other people and learning from them. And I have had such good opportunity to meet so many smart people, uh, just like you. And Hillary, what you've done with Dispensary of Hope is just incredible. And, you know, there, there's, I've learned so much from you, and even in this, the few short years that I've known you. So I, I think that that's one area where if I could go back to my younger self and tell myself to just get out there more, I think that, you know, I definitely could have benefited from that early on in my career. I was a little bit siloed. So, you know, don't be afraid to go out and, and get out there and meet people. And if they think you're crazy, it's okay. You know, we can own it. Uh, it it's it's always a, a pleasure to meet others. You just never know uh, when you're going to end up running into somebody again. You know, pharmacy is a small world. So I've been very fortunate in that area, too, to just meet so many great people.
0: That is such great advice, Anne. And I admit that when I was in pharmacy school, I, too, didn't really realize the full potential of, you know, networking and getting to know people. And, and you know, you always hear the sayings, pharmacy is a small world, but it really is so fun. There's just really some great innovative things out there, and it's fun to actually become friends with others, other pharmacists out there and, and not only uh, from kind of a friendship perspective, but as a professional uh, aspect as well. So it's, it's really been fun. And I thank you so much for spending some time with us and letting our listeners hear a little bit more about what it is like to be in the pharmaceutical industry. Such a pleasure to have you. Oh, well,
1: Thanks, Hillary. Thanks for putting this together. This is amazing.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, For updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for next week's episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, where you'll hear from Phil Ayers, nationally recognized nutrition support pharmacist on the importance of developing your leadership style and how to stay up to date on topics important to the hospital C-suite.